Today on the Main Quest Podcast, I'm talking about Final Fantasy 2. Welcome back to another episode of the Main Quest Podcast. This is, of course, the number one retro gaming podcast that will eventually become a battle royale on NSO. As always, I am your host, Keith. And if you're a new listener, this is a show where I play and review. I hate using the word review because it kind of makes it sound like I have some sort of pedigree or something, but I guess that's what I'm doing here. So that's uh, a podcast where I play and review a game that I grew up with and try to see if it's still as magical as I remember it being. And if this is your first episode, there's officially an entire year's worth of content that you have missed. So go back and check some of that stuff out. I've done games like Mega Man, Pac-Man, Super Mario 1 and 2, Kirby's Adventure, and Battletoads if you really want to get weird. There's so many games I've touched on in the past year that kind of doesn't seem real it doesn't you know i i look at the list of games that i've done and i i barely remember talking about most of them like shadowgate was just a few months ago and i'm like man i really played that and then i i talked about it hmm that's just kind of it you know the ball has always just been rolling finish one game and it's on to the next the day After this episode airs, the Main Quest podcast will officially be a year old. Yes, this podcast's anniversary is entirely a bad weed joke, which is kind of fitting. So if you don't, if you don't mind, you can, you can skip ahead about, I don't know, 10 minutes because I want to just reminisce a little bit because I've been thinking about the past year and in a lot of ways I've been reflecting more on the conception of the podcast and reflecting on, on that much more than I reflected on the entire year of 2020 during like New Year's. I don't remember what podcast I was listening to. I'm going to feel real bad because I don't remember, but it's somebody within like the little community of shows of this one, uh, a friend of the show, probably no doubt. So I'm honestly, I'm really sorry if I don't remember who said this. But they said if you ever have thought about starting a podcast, you should just try it. Because in a lot of ways, these are kind of like journals. And that's kind of what I wanted the blog to be back in 2016 when this show was just going to be a blog. It was just going to kind of be like a, a journal that chronicled my adventures through gaming. And even though that idea, you know, morphed into what you're hearing now, I feel like that's kind of what I've achieved while simultaneously creating something I originally had no intention of doing. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that the audio format lends itself so much more flexibility than than writing does. And I think that's something that's even more apparent when I do have guests on. Not only can I hear and interact with people directly and have a conversation with them about something that we're both passionate about and sometimes not not so passionate that can 
hopefully make something more engaging for you guys, for, for you guys, the listener. The listener, that's something that is a crazy concept to me since I came into this with basically nobody listening to this. I'm not sure if any of this even makes any sense, and I apologize. I just, this is, this is stuff that I've just kind of wanted to get off my chest because I've just been thinking about it a lot. Thinking about the show a lot, I obviously I think about it a lot because it's something that I do in my free time. And the more I think about it, the more proud I am of what I have been making. I am damn proud of this show. I am proud of what it's morphed into, and I'm going to be proud of what it eventually evolves into because what you're listening to now, uh, the format, who knows what it will be like next year. I, I, I don't even know if I want to settle on what I've been doing for the past year or not. You know, when I think about when I started the show, looking at it now, the people that actually listen, the few of them that I've interacted with, and I'd be lying if I if I told you I haven't had negative interactions. I've had it. It doesn't bother me in any way. You know, as a as a pessimist, it's actually something I anticipated. Uh, so it's something that I can easily shrug off. But but most of the interactions that I have had are overwhelmingly positive. And it catches me off guard every single time. I couldn't ask for a better audience. I couldn't ask to be a part of a better community. One of my biggest fears was, will anybody get this? Will they understand who I am or where I'm coming from? Am I being too serious? Am I being too sarcastic? And let me be clear, like I never intend to put on a show. I will never pretend to be something that I'm not to appease any part of my audience. I will not pretend to be something to gain a certain audience. All I can be is me. And I'll admit, I was afraid to be me those first handful of episodes. I think some of it leaked through, but now I'm just so much more comfortable and I think I've gained so much more from that. And yes, some of that comfort has come through the growth of my audience, but I think it kind of works hand in hand because a lot of the mental fatigue that I was having uh, doing the podcast early on is also gone. And that allows me just to be way more confident in front of the mic. So this comfort and, and this confidence also opens doors for me creatively. And this is also due in part that I'm still a growing podcaster. I'm not doing thousands of downloads or anything like that. So having having a smaller podcast doesn't paint me into a corner. I feel like I have this creative freedom to fuck around and do whatever I want. In the beginning, I was too concerned if anyone was going to listen, when I should have just been concerned about what kind of fun can I have while nobody is listening that might catch somebody's attention down the line. Do I want to do a power hour on an episode? Fuck it. Of course I do. Do I want to pretend to be a horny Dracula? Of course, why not? Do I want to pretend like I've never played a single Resident Evil game in my entire life? Actually, actually, I still don't know what Resident Evil is. <laughs> I've had so much anxiety in the early goings as if this show was going to be remembered in the annals of podcasting history, when in reality, in the back of my head, I knew, and I know, 
that of course, in the grand scheme of everything, this podcast doesn't matter. I'm just here to have fun. Thinking about whether I'm turning someone off is what will hold me back. Well, I never know what I could be doing to grab somebody else's attention. And it's something that I always come back to in my head uh, because I remember my own brother remarking on a previous episode how I needed to change how I rate these games based on a comment a listener left for me. But how many ideas do I take and run with at the expense of the rest of the audience that likes the way that I do things? Unless a majority of you take umbrage with a segment or how the show is structured, and I hear from the majority of you, it stays the same. Unless, as the sole creator of the podcast, I truly feel like I need to change something up, uh, and that it will be a change that benefits the both of us, then it will be changed. So, again, it's just one of those things. All I can be is me. If you feel like you can identify yourself in this podcast, if you feel like this gives you something, great. That's incredibly awesome, and I'm really happy that I can provide that for you. But at the end of the day, this podcast represents me the most. So those are the things that I've been thinking about. But of course, I've also been thinking about the future of the show. So here are some things that you guys can expect from me. The first thing being more guests. I've kind of talked about this a little bit before, but it's really hard for me to ask people to be on the show since the show's very format is kind of restrictive and very personal to my tastes. At least the mainline episodes are very much that. And that rings true uh, to its very structure, which is going from my early childhood to adulthood. So for instance, like a, an example of uh, the format of my show kind of getting in the way of having a guest on, you know, Skyrim will eventually be an episode. And I had someone ask me if they could come on and talk about Skyrim. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. I would love to have you on in about six years when I get to Skyrim. And, you know, bouncing around from console generation to console generation has been something I've been going back and forth with for a very, for a very long time. But honestly, at the detriment of having someone on, I'm having a lot of fun seeing the evolution of these games that I'm playing. Although I I haven't even gone back to my earlier episodes. I don't even listen to them once I put them out. Um, but I'm sure that there's probably a, a nice through line that I'm creating that I don't even realize that I'm making. Even, even though I started the show out with a pseudo 16-bit machine. But uh, nevertheless, uh, I have plenty of guests <laughs> lined up in the future. Uh, some returning guests, some brand new. I have even built a brand new series uh, with a good friend that I'm hoping will start airing in November. I don't want to say too much about that quite yet. In, it's, in fact, it's it's crazy <laughs> that anybody would even want to be on my show. That's, that's the other thing that I never even thought would happen a year ago. Next thing I'm working on is merch, something I'm very excited about. I'm actually collaborating with some artists as we speak to hopefully bring you guys something really special. As someone with a good background in graphic design, um, my 
digital illustration is actually trash. I'm just really bad at illustrating. So uh, I really needed help on that end and also kind of tired of designing everything for the show by myself. And if you're an artist, I think you might be able to empathize with me on this one. You know, you know as you design your own work, uh, you're always your own worst enemy when it comes to putting stuff out yourself. Nothing is ever perfect. So I'm putting all that stuff in somebody else's hands and be like, okay, yeah, I like what you did there, but it's also garbage. Do it over and do it better. <laughs> no, all, all the people that I'm working with are really cool. And I mean, I could just slap my current logo on some shirts and stickers and call it a day. But to me, that's just cheap. That's just really cheap. It's lazy. And honestly, really isn't fucking cool at all. As much as you love this podcast, do you really just want to walk around with a shirt with like a giant logo on the front of it that says main quest podcast on it? You you'll be made fun of worse than you were in high school. <laughs> no, but I I really do want to make something worth buying. I want to make a shirt for you guys that I would wear proudly. And most importantly, I really want the merch that I'm making to represent the podcast for what it is. So maybe, yeah, I'll just <laughs> slap my logo on something and call it a day. <laughs> and I also, I should say, by all means, I know there are friends of the show that do do that. They just slap their logos on stuff and whatever. And if that works for you guys, great. Ride your wave. That's just not the style that I'm pulling over here. So I'm not trying to throw any shade at you guys or anything like that. You guys know I love you. Next thing, streaming. At some point next year, I want to start streaming. I just recently bought an Elgato um, like a few weeks ago. So I'm officially invested. But I'm that type of person that plans things. I never jump into the deep end without learning how to swim. And, you know, a little behind the scenes, I guess. But before, you know, the first episode of this podcast, uh, I literally did like a year's worth of research before recording my first episode. So the same is going to go for streaming, probably. Nothing else to really report on that other than I will be doing it eventually. Lastly, thing I want to talk about is... Patreon. In the back of my mind, I've always had an idea for a Patreon. Bonus episodes, a companion show to the Main Quest podcast, and then some other stuff. I never thought that it could actually be feasible, but once I hit a certain subscriber count, download count? Now, on Anchors, I use Anchor as my host, and their numbers are strange. It's not really subscribers, so I guess, I guess downloads. I don't know. But once I reach a certain number of consistent downloads, I'm going to start a Patreon. Maybe I reach this goal by the end of the year. Maybe I don't. Maybe it'll be this time next year. Either way, I feel like it's coming, and I feel like it might come sooner than later. Obviously, this show has been and will always be absolutely free. I've put way more money into it than I've ever gotten out of it. Uh, I actually... I actually just bought a new mic as well. I should have probably mentioned that at some point. I hope the audio quality isn't that noticeable. Hopefully it's about the same, maybe better. But yeah, this show has been operating in the red. Um, and yeah, I would never 
ask you guys for any money. Never. I would never sell you some shit that you would never even want. There's nothing I hate more than when I'm listening to a podcast and then all of a sudden some idiot bursts into an ad in the middle of the show or even worse uh, when the host tries to like segue into an ad read. Uh, Again, friends of the show, hustle on you, beautiful hustlers. (laughs) But... I don't want the main quest to be a podcast I know that I wouldn't want to listen to. So I'm not going to sell you coupon apps or mattresses or dick pills. Besides, this show is for hard dicks only. Get that soft shit out of here. If you don't come to the main quest podcast hard, don't come at all. But if you can come soft, that's just fucking impressive. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to, I'm not going to sell you that shit because it has nothing to do with what I'm talking about. And I think it'll also interrupt the experience of the show overall. So if you do want to support my show, if you do want to support the main quest podcast, well, merch will be one way. And I think that will more likely come before I even have the numbers to start a Patreon, which will inevitably also be the other way you can support the show. The main feed, now let me make this clear, the main feed will always be free and it will remain ad-free. But those bonus side quest episodes that I've been putting out, they will be moved to the Patreon. So that means any side quest episodes, that's including the music shows, or any special series that I do, like the Resident Evil series. The side quest episodes that are on the main feed now will be scrapped and moved to the Patreon as well. Now, I'm sure you're probably asking yourself, Keith, will I need to take out a second mortgage to get all these bonus episodes? No, I plan on only charging like a dollar. I do plan on doing another tier, uh, but that's, that's not really thought out yet at the moment. Right now, all I know is going to have some like uh, included listener things as well as uh, another show that I want to do, but I need a co-host for that. So uh, in case you're a podcaster, you got some free time and you're listening to this and you want to do like a monthly episode on a sideshow with me, hit me up on Instagram or Twitter. So that's uh, that's about it. It's been a year. It honestly feels like yesterday when I was reading articles on the Turbo Graphics and playing Alien Crush, getting that first episode ready to go. But uh, it also simultaneously feels like a lifetime ago since things were so different for me uh, on, on a personal level. Either way, I'm very happy that I still get to do this. I'm very happy that you're all enjoying it and you're along for the ride. It's hard for me to say, but you guys make this worth doing. Again, the community has been so phenomenal. Not to mention all the friends that I've made doing this show that I probably would have never even met or known even existed had I not done this podcast. So many friendly, interesting, and hilarious people. I will be making an Instagram post tomorrow for the show's birthday, and I will be shouting out all those people out there, all the people that made a difference and helped me along the way. I'm not going to do that here. If you're listening, you guys know who you are. So that's about it. 
why don't we start talking about Final Fantasy 2? episode this is gonna be a little longer than the 45 50 minutes i shoot for i think you guys will be okay i think uh i think the longest episode i recorded by myself was two hours right i think if you guys can handle that you you might be able to handle this i'm gonna kind of go through my bullet points here as fast as i can so my prior history with final fantasy 2 is pretty much the same as the first game it was around 2015 it it actually mm, it might be See, now when I think about this, it might be early 2015. I might actually be confusing all of these because these games all look very similar. Final Fantasy actually might have been fall of 2014 and Final Fantasy 2 early 2015. And then I think Final Fantasy 3 was in the summer of 2015. Anyway, the only way I know I played this during early 2015 is because I remember being stuck at my then girlfriend's place uh, because there was like a huge blizzard. Uh, she actually ended up having to go into work. So I was pretty much just laid out on her couch most of the day playing this on a terrible mobile emulator, which is the very same emulator I was using to play Final Fantasy on. I never finished Final Fantasy 2 back then. I hopped off of it after a few weeks and moved the, then moved on to fan, Final Fantasy 3 uh, for reasons that I'll get into later. But before I go any further, I should talk about which Final Fantasy 2 that I played for the show. Because there's more than one, and some people might get confused. And for those that don't know about this, you also might get confused. And no, I'm not trying to make some asinine joke in an attempt to be funny like I do in the Resident Evil episodes. This is just real-life localization and porting stuff, which ultimately ties into the development of the game. Final Fantasy II was kind of a rush development and came out less than a year after Final Fantasy. Actually, it came out one day prior to the one-year release of Final Fantasy. And Final Fantasy II sold well. You know, it sold just as well as the original, and plans were made to actually localize the game and ship it to the rest of the world. But realizing how much work it would take to do this, and with Final Fantasy 3 in the programming stages, as well as a fourth game in the series being developed as a flagship title for the Nintendo's brand new console, the Super Famicom, Square decided to cancel all localization work on Final Fantasy 2 in favor of its other two games. Which I'm sure had to have been crushing to the team that was working on it, because they made it pretty far. The game was pretty much done with localization and then it was just dumped. In the United States, Nintendo was even running ads in Nintendo Power for Final Fantasy 2. But it just it never saw the light of day. So then fast forward to 1991 when Final Fantasy 4 is released on the Super Famicom. The localization team worked in tandem with the development of this game so that it would be out relatively early in the Super Nintendo's life cycle. So without the real Final Fantasy 2 and Final Fantasy 3, never making it over to the United States. When 4 
dropped here, it was released as Final Fantasy II. This odd naming convention continued when Final Fantasy V failed to ship to the US as well, and when VI was released and localized for the US, it was released as Final Fantasy III. <laughs> I swear I'm not making this up. I know I say I know I say some crazy shit in those Resident Evil episodes. I'm not making this up. This is real life. So, as of 1994, Americans never knew about Final Fantasy 2, 3, and 5. We all thought we had 1 through 3 until 1997 when Final Fantasy 7 came out and everyone was like, "Wait, what happened to Final Fantasy 4, 5, and 6? And then, of course, since 7, the releases have been in tandem, and the U.S. would eventually see the official release of 2, 3, and 5, but that's something I'll get into further on those episodes. To be clear, I am playing the actual Japanese fan-translated NES Famicom release of Final Fantasy 2. Final Fantasy 2 is a role-playing game developed and published by Square. The game was made by the exact same team that started the franchise. We have director, writer, and creator Hironobu Sakaguchi, producer Masafumi Miyamoto, and composer Nobuo Matsu. The team approached the development of the second game slightly different from the first with a huge emphasis on the story coming first and breaking away from the events of the first game. Thus, setting up the premise that each subsequent Final Fantasy will have its own contained world free from the rest of the franchise. Final Fantasy II was released for the Famicom in Japan in 1988. The game was eventually ported to the PlayStation, Wonderswan, Game Boy Advance, PSP, Wii U, Wii U Virtual Console, and Android and iOS. Similar to the first game, the initial story for Final Fantasy II is given to us in a text crawl at the beginning of the game. Quote, a long-lived peace is at an end. The Emperor of Palamecia has called forth monsters from the underworld and has begun his campaign for world conquest. A rebel army arose in the Kingdom of Finn to thwart the Emperor's plan, but the rebels' castle fell to an all-out assault by the Empire. Left with little choice, the rebels withdrew, withdrew? <laughs> withdrew to the remote town of Altair. Four youths from Finn also found themselves fleeing the Imperial forces. They had lost their parents at the hands of the Empire, but their escape wasn't over. End quote. So the story is very similar to Star Wars. A group of rebels is backed into a corner, and an ever-growing Empire is ready to take over the world. Except, like, pretend Darth Vader had the power to summon monsters literally from Hell, and open a portal so that a giant castle from Hell can be moved to Earth. Just like the first game, we start by naming our characters, except in this game, uh, we kind of have protagonists here, and we're not selecting from like a list of tabletop RPG classes like a, a wizard or a fighter or a thief. And you wouldn't know it unless you were playing one of the later ports of Final Fantasy II, but our four protagonists are named Firion, Leon, Maria, and Guy. Just Guy. <laughs> But, of course, until we hit the modern games, uh, you know, we can name them whatever we want. So, in, in my case, I mean, I just stuck with the default names. I, I think, you know, in hindsight, I actually should have just asked you guys for names. But, 
there's like nine other games I can involve you guys in. So, hey, no worries. As cliche as this story is, for its time, that was actually pretty phenomenal stuff. If you remember back to my episode on the first game, there's a story there, but there's almost hardly any dialogue between you and the NPCs. Whereas in this game, our protagonists actually have some dialogue, while the NPCs have much more to say than in the first game. It's not like our crew here are actually characters. They're almost they're almost as much of a blank slate as the team from the first game. So as soon as we're done naming our characters, the game literally opens on a battle. No intro or anything, just you're just in a battle. Figure it out. And the turn-based battle system does return here, so it's not like it's going to be alien to you or anything like that. It's just um, it's just kind of a surprising and creative way to start the game off. It's, it's not as strong of a twist as the first hour or so of the first game, but it's still pretty good considering um, that you're absolutely forced to get your ass handed to you by these black guards who initially encountered our four heroes as they were escaping the destruction of their hometown, Flynn. And after the battle, Furion, Maria, and Guy, they, they wake up in this new town called Altier to find that they were rescued by the rebels in the name of Princess Hilda. Our heroes ask to join the rebellion, but must first prove themselves, of course, to the princess before she'll take it into consideration. And so starts our journey. things as brief as possible so not to make this a fucking three hour episode these final fantasy games are going to start getting long in the tooth here so let's just blast through this story our heroes will end up helping the rebellion and they will get a considerable amount of aid from other characters who temporarily take up that empty fourth slot in our party which is absolutely a useless thing to do in this game, but we'll get to that later. The main antagonists, Palamecian Emperor and the Dark Knight, are seen throughout this game. Uh, we kill the Emperor about halfway through the game, only for him to literally crawl his way back out of hell and take residence inside his hell castle called Pandemonium. The Dark Knight is later revealed to not only be Leon, but... Also, Leon is Maria's brother. So this kind of sounds like something like a sounds like a, a certain Sith being related to a certain Jedi. Once the Emperor starts infesting the planet with demons he summoned from hell, Leon reluctantly joins our heroes and kills the Emperor once and for all, banishing the demons back to hell with him. With the war over and peace having returned to the planet, our heroes return to Castle Finn, and Leon decides. Having played a part in all of the chaotic events that have taken place, it would be best for him to leave the Rebellion and live life on his own. Since there aren't really any levels in this game, I'll talk about the setting and graphics here. Final Fantasy II is not as open-ended as the first game. 
going back to Final Fantasy, you can kind of break that game a little bit. There's a lot of end game stuff that you can get early on and make the rest of the game pretty easy for yourself. But Final Fantasy 2 is a little more linear for the most part. And that is mainly due to the fact that if you even do just a little bit of exploring on the world map, you're going to fucking die. You're just going to be punished by some super hard enemies. Obviously, these old RPG world maps are made using a grid system. So even stepping slightly one pixel over where there's an encounter can doom your entire game, literally. And now I feel like I'm kind of mixing segments here because now I just want to touch on the leveling and the battle system. It's hard to it's so hard to talk about bigger games like these. All I'm getting at here is that just like in the first game, you're told where to go. You go do it. Come back to wherever you got your initial quest. You move on and you repeat. There's no room to do any type of exploration in this game because you you literally can't because you are blocked off from doing so because of the presence of these random, extremely powerful enemy encounters. Now, even though the world map is actually a little smaller than the first game, uh, it is just one giant continent. Something about the way that it's laid out makes it seem so much bigger. There are more mountain ranges. The area to the north is completely covered in snow, and even the towns up there are covered in snow as well. The towns all look different, whereas the towns in the first game pretty much look the same. Uh, There are more deserts, there's lakes, rivers uh, that need to be traversed. I think the world map in Final Fantasy II was better designed than the first game since, uh, you know, the first game was, was, was bigger, but it was a lot more empty with only maybe like a town or two on certain land masses and in like a possible dungeon. Despite the map being very different from the first game and Final Fantasy II, you know, being a self-contained story, it's kind of hard to believe that it actually is. I don't know what it is, but to me, you know, while I was playing this, I just kind of felt like it takes place maybe, I don't know, a hundred years after the first game. Like maybe, maybe the Warriors of Light have died. So now this new enemy appears in their absence or something. I I don't know. It again it it might be due in part to the graphics, since graphically, not a lot has changed from the first game. The in-battle sprites are a little more detailed. The monsters are definitely more detailed than the first game, and our characters, they even have portraits in the menu. Something about this game just, I don't know, everything about it just kind of seems like it could very much be a direct sequel to the first game. I just get that feeling. It's strange. I just, I think the way the game is designed uh, works hand in hand with the story. Having played every other Final Fantasy besides 14 and 15, Final Fantasy 2 has one of, if not the darkest story in the franchise. It's a very depressing game. About halfway through the game, the Emperor summons a tornado and decimates two or three towns, and those towns are gone. You can't visit them. So if you missed a spell or a weapon in that town that you couldn't afford at the time on on your first trip, it's gone. Everybody's dead. Speaking of people dying, 
so many characters die in this game. The king dies, Princess Hilda's fiance dies, and two of the playable characters, uh, I don't know how to say this dude's name, Min Woo, it's gotta be Min Woo, and uh, Joseph, they die. They become completely unplayable after they die. They they don't come back. And this is five games before the whole Aerith thing in Final Fantasy VII. You worry too much. I'm not some princess who needs to be coddled. Shit. So, if having a story, slightly better graphics, dialogue, and just a more cohesive world map are all slight upgrades from the first game, what's the catch here? Well, besides the music, everything else is the catch. <laughs> so, remember how I said I never finished the game when I first played it? Well, same as the first game, there's a lot of grinding. But instead of just leveling up after a battle like you would normally in just about every RPG known to man, you don't. You don't earn any experience points at all. Instead, your stats increase individually depending on what you do in battle. My friends, this is so broken. It's so bad. For instance, let's say I want to increase my attack stat. Well, I have to attack in battle. The more I attack, the more likely that stat will increase. Now, if I want my hit points to go up, I have to take damage and not heal myself. Yeah, I have to make sure to take as much damage as I can while also winning the battle to make sure my maximum HP increases. You want your evasion to go up? Try running from battles, which is difficult in itself since your evasion at the beginning of the game is zero. You want to raise your magic power? Use your spells in battle. Now if we break down the attack stat further, you've got around five or six types of weapons in Final Fantasy II and they all have that attack stat attached to them. But if you're not using swords, axes, and bows, it's completely useless to level up and use something like a dagger, because even maxing that out, something like the Masamune or the Excalibur, is going to trump that. But then you'll have to spend time leveling those new weapons up once you get them, because your attack stats will be with this new weapon. I don't even know if I explained all of that right. But then you got magic spells, right? You, you got your magic spells. Well, of course, you know, with every Final Fantasy from the first one on, you start with weaker spells. You got fire, uh, lightning, ice, etc. In order to get fire 2 or lightning 2 or ice 2, you have to use that individual spell every battle. And you need to do this with every spell to get the upgraded spell. Say spell one more time, motherfucker. I double dare you. <laughs> Does he look like a bitch? The stat progression in this game is so slow. It's brutal. It's slower than any other grindy-ass grinding RPG I've ever played because no matter which stat, weapon, or spell you're trying to upgrade, the numbers are aggregated randomly and are a drop in the bucket compared to gaining traditional experience points. And it doesn't matter what enemies you fight, the enemies at the beginning of the game net you the same amount of experience as the final boss. It, it fucking sucks. It straight up is trash. 
throw it in the trash. Now, there is a way to cheese both your HP and attack stats by just attacking your own party, and this does help make that go faster. But then there's everything else. It's so you still got you still got everything. You still got to do everything else. It it's awful. It's easily the worst part of the game. Now, when I realized this, I spent an entire week outside the first town just grinding, 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 and it got to a point where I honestly did not want to play the game anymore. Because as soon as I I'd get a new spell or something, then then I just got to spend time grinding that. Having a healing spell is fucking no use to me when I have 3,000 HP and can only heal 50 of it. Fortunately, by the time I got to the end of the game, the final boss was really fucking easy. But then also, the other thing is you get Ultima. You get the Ultima spell around like mid-game, which is supposed to be the strongest spell in the game. But it's useless, considering by the time you get it, I was already severely overleveled sans you know getting new spells here and there so it's like if you're grinding your stats which i mean you you have to there's there's no other way around it otherwise you're going to die and you're going to die a lot the rest of the game is just kind of meaningless the other addition if you want to call it an addition is this keyword system periodically you have the chance to learn keywords through dialogue and save them to like a a compendium to use on other NPCs to progress through the story. Now, while I understand what Square was trying to go for here, it's actually more of a nuisance to have to go to NPC to NPC and try every single word that you've learned to see what triggers progression than the world building that they intended on creating. It would be different if you could go up to somebody and select a keyword to maybe Get some more information about your quest or the word that uh, you asked them. You asked them or, you know, just just overall, just flesh the world out a little more. But instead, you know, choosing any keyword on any random NPC will just result in a question mark. Now, if you removed this system from the game, nothing would change. So to me, it doesn't add anything except annoying button prompts and needless menuing menuing. If that's not a word, I just made it a word. And since I mentioned menus, I do want to say that the menus in this game are so much better than the first game. You don't get booted out of the menu every time you heal your party members, and you can also select more than one person to heal if you're casting a healing spell. As annoying as gaining experiences for your stats, the stats menu is cleanly displayed, and it's really easy to know what you're equipping or unequipping when it comes to weapons and armor. And the final thing uh, that I really want to get into that I briefly mentioned before that completely ruins this game for me are the random encounters. It's too much. It's way too much. Once I stopped grinding and decided to head out on my adventure, 
you're stopped like every fucking four or six steps. It's absolutely absurd how often a battle will trigger. I've already mentioned already, but uh, it bears repeating. If you don't know exactly where you're going on the world map, if you even just if you even just step one pixel too far, you will be thrusted into an unwinnable battle. I don't know how many times I had to restart from a certain point when I was in the middle of grinding. And then on top of that, the dungeons in this game are way too long. They're long and they're boring. Some of them even have uh, trap rooms that have nothing in them. And by the time you realize that the room that you're standing in doesn't have anything in it, that's when you realize that these trap rooms have an insane encounter rate. I think it's maybe like every two steps that you take, you're getting into a battle as you try to leave that room. I felt like I felt like I was sitting on a fucking pair of anguish this entire game with all these damn encounters. I hated it. 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 It sucks. It sucks. So let's talk about something I liked and we're going to close this out. I've jerked Uematsu off on this podcast before and I think I'm going to do it again. The soundtrack has 20 songs and roughly like four or five different fanfares. I'm not sure if Uematsu is responsible for sound effects, but the sound effects are a step up from the first game. Using a sword sounds different from using a bow. Some of the spells that you cast sound different from other spells. That iconic bass line that starts thumping along at the beginning of every enemy encounter is replaced by brand new music when you face off against a boss. Now, of course, the battle music is still there and it still carries a familiar melody, but is wholly different from the first game. And this continues throughout the franchise. Now, the music that plays on the overworld, it kind of has like an ominous sound to it, especially at the beginning. It sounds very ominous. But as the story unfolds and things begin to get real bleak, the music, I mean, the music doesn't change. It's still the same, but it kind of seems to take on a brand new identity. It starts to have this hopelessness to it. And as sad as the track is, it's different from a lot of overworld music uh, from JRPGs. And I think because of that, I kind of like it because it is so different. Chocobos are introduced with this game. And so, of course, we have the essential theme that accompanies them. I just wish it was a little bit longer. It's not really the entire song that we have come to know. Uh, it actually cuts off after like four seconds and then keeps looping. So that can get pretty annoying. Um, other than that, uh, and possibly the dungeon music, due to the amount of time that you'll be spending in one of those motherfuckers, uh, this is yet just uh, it's another very memorable soundtrack in the franchise that's uh, just as good. Uh, if not, probably a little better than the first game. Now, I just want to do I just want to do a little bit of cleanup. There's just a couple of other things I quickly want to get through here uh, that I didn't really mention before. Final Fantasy 2, it introduces many elements to the series that will stay with the series. So I, I just mentioned Chocobos. Chocobos make their first appearance. This is the first game uh, that we have a Sid. For those who aren't familiar with this series, what's a Sid? Sid is just a guy, and every game from here on out will always have a character named Sid. 
And because every game is self-contained, the Sid in this game is not the same character. They all just share similar names. The introduction to Rose as a battle mechanic begins here. This is something that not only works for your characters, but it applies to enemies as well. The short explanation of Rose is the ability to create a formation for your squad. Characters in the back row can only be hit by projectiles and magic, unless they're the last party member standing. This also works the same for your enemies. You know, your physical characters, like your, your swordsmen and axe boys, are useless in the back row because they won't be able to hit anything, so uh, they're best left uh, at the front lines. Many new enemies here are introduced in Final Fantasy II. You've got bombs, behemoths, and surprise monster chests. Leviathan also is introduced in this game, which is kind of like a kind of a cool Pinocchio situation. There's literally like a small village living inside this water dragon. It's a weird juxtaposition from the rest of the very serious story. But even with that kind of levity, can I recommend Final Fantasy 2? No, absolutely not. <laughs> if, the, if the first game, uh, the first game was a light not recommend. And I gave that a light not recommend for, you know, casuals out there. But I think I, I remember enjoying playing it the first time I played it and I enjoyed playing it for the show. There's there's no way in hell I could recommend a game as complicated as this to a newcomer. I wouldn't even recommend it to people who have played a Final Fantasy game before. There are a lot of things going for this game, a lot of different things Square tries. The game is fundamentally the same as the first, but Sakaguchi injects Final Fantasy 2 with a decent story and some characters. The world is decently fleshed out, and it actually felt like something was at stake. You know, Chaos, big bad from the first game, just seemed like your atypical bad guy who just wants to destroy the planet for some reason. We start this game in the middle of a war, and the progress you make has a clear cause and effect. Some of the game's mechanics have been cleaned up, uh, the menus are a lot easier to navigate, and the game overall just has less game-breaking glitches. But the gameplay here is a fucking nightmare. It's atrocious. It's hot trash for all the reasons that I stated before. It's one thing if I have to grind for levels in a game. Fine. But grinding out every single ability, weapon of choice, and magic spells? You've got to be fucking joking. What a decision to program something like that. And yes, yeah, we have characters in this game, but like I said before, they may as well just be blank slates like, like the last four in the first game. 
the dungeons are insanely long and the random encounter rate is laughable. And I know I know I didn't even mention this. I, I think I said I was going to mention this, but the fourth character slot is empty most of the game. It's only reserved for the guest characters that you take control of periodically throughout the game. And those guys, you shouldn't even bother leveling up their stats because they're going to die. And then by the time Leon comes back into the picture, Leon is his name, Leon, fuck him. It's already the end of the game. So it's like, it's fucking, that fourth spot is useless. Lastly, as good as the music is, I turned it off. Especially since you'll be grinding for hours at three or four different points in the game. So no, I cannot recommend this game. I just, I can't. I think this is the worst game that I've ever played on the show. It's worse than Battletoads. And I think that's honestly just because I played this all the way through. When I realized that I wasn't having any fun and just wanted to move on to the next game, I knew what my recommendation was going to be having not even been anywhere close to the end of it. And this is a situation where I could not confidently tell you that the later versions like the, the PSP or the Game Boy Advance ports are better because you still have the same level progression as you do here. So do yourself a favor, never play Final Fantasy 2. Now, if you made it this far into the podcast, that must mean that you like what you've heard. If you want more Main Quest podcast, <clears throat> podcast, did I say podcast? If you want more fuck-ups like that, follow the show on Instagram. That's the Main Quest on Instagram. I frequently post the schedule for the show there uh, ahead of time. Uh, essentially, my Instagram is very heavily focused on the show itself. Otherwise, if you want that and some other random shit that I shoot from the hip, there's the Twitter account, which is at MainQuestPod. Of course, if you'd like to get a hold of me, either Instagram or Twitter works. Do you have a comment, a question, or maybe you just want to say hi? Go ahead. My DMs are always open, and I'm happy to hear from you guys. You can also do that via email if you want to remain anonymous. And the email for the show is mainquestpod at gmail.com. Lastly, it would mean a lot if you would rate and review the show if you're able to. I, I, honestly, I feel bad when other podcasters or podcasts I listen to ask that of me because normally I would, but I listen to podcasts on shitty Spotify and have no way of rating or reviewing those shows. But if you're not using shitty Spotify, first of all, congratulations. I need to get away from Spotify. Uh, that's a whole other rant that I can say for another day. But secondly, hey, please. Share some love if you can. So next week, uh, next week, I am taking the week off, but I will be back on May 3rd with a new episode. May is packed with a ton of content and a new Resident Evil episode, Resident Evil 3. Thank you guys so much for listening, and thank you for making the past year a memorable one. Honestly, I might not still be doing this without you guys. With that, I will talk to you guys later. Take care of yourselves.
But our first four protagonists are Furion, Leon, Mario, Mario, Maria. I wrote down Mario. <laughs> I got so confused. <laughs> My notes are a mess. Let me just, let me just, I'm just going to go. I'm just going to start from the beginning. Who's that? Don't you know? It's me, Mario. <laughs> All right. <laughs> 